Blog Talk Radio. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. headquarters. We're in for a real treat today because it's our traditional Get Ready for Halloween Early show, which includes a revisit with Barry Bostwick, who played Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. In just a few minutes, you'll hear Barry reminisce about his experiences while filming that outrageous cult classic. He also talks with Alan Levy, co-founder and CEO of Blog Talk Radio, as well as with other fans concerning those popular midnight shows connected with the movie. And he reveals fascinating details concerning the weather problems during filming, what it was like working with Susan Sarandon, his favorite scene in the movie, and much more. Then, as a special added attraction after the Barry Boswick clip, we're hoping, at least we've invited, two filmmakers, Larry Weisel and Sean Stutler, who are working on an upcoming documentary title. Now listen to this, fans. Rocky Horror Saved My Life, and we've invited both of those gentlemen to call in. We also have a live chat going during the entire show today. So let's check with Nikki Starr for a report about that. Nikki, are all systems go in the chat room? They are, and we have special guests in the chat room. I'm so very excited that they're here, and we're already chatting away. So, yeah, we're ready. 
Well, I hope they they all were doing the time warp when when we were playing really that were. intro. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I, I'd like to welcome the people who are in the chat. I see that uh, Larry Vizel is already here in the chat room, and I'm hoping that he enjoys our um, uh, tape with Barry Bostwick's interview. I see that Richard <laughs> B. Smart from the Wacko Bob show is there in the chat room and uh, Richard and his gang Wacko Bob and Kat Vecchioni and Chuck Skull this morning spent quite a bit of time talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show and uh, urging people to come on over and listen to our show today so we really really appreciate that now um, Nikki I know that Barry Bostwick is one of your favorite guests because you have mentioned this, you know, as shy as you are about it, but you right. mentioned this. <laughs> so why why is that? Why is Barry Bostwick one of your favorites? Well, I have a couple reasons, but the main reason is he is sincerely one of the kindest celebrities we have ever interviewed. He yeah. actually he actually listens to us and our answers and I think that well he's co hosted with you before. Quite literally, the whole entire show, okay? <laughs> because I had no voice, remember? And he was fantastic. I know. I I think you've hit the nail right on the right on the head there. He just absolutely gets into it. I mean, he puts everything into the interview. Yes. And he's as interested in the interviewers as he is, you know, with the topic that he's talking about. <laughs> he, and he really is. He really is. Just, I just love him. He's, he re, I do. I do too. I feel exactly that way too and and we've been so lucky to have him as a guest more than once and you remember besides this uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show interview he talked with us last year about starring in FDR American Badass <laughs> yes played I Franklin, certainly do good lord Franklin Delano Roosevelt as a werewolf hunter <laughs> of all things <laughs> and as usual as usual he was great and I can hardly wait to see him in uh, the upcoming musical called Dragula. Now that's D R A G U L A, where he plays the title role. So, uh, so Nikki, I'm I want you to know that I'm on the case. I'm trying to persuade him to come back again and talk with us about that role soon. But today, you know, I let me just say yeah. one thing right quick. I have interviewed so many people. Even I've even interviewed the vampire guy from Twilight. Okay. Really, Taylor Patterson. Yes. Oh, I'm so Taylor. Jealous. No, not Pattinson. No, he was a. It's um, Taylor, Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner. Okay. I have never been more starstruck than Barry Bostwick. I'm just saying. I know you could barely talk. I was. When, I know. Yes, you were. That's the first time that I've heard you without words. <laughs> 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 but but you did a you did a great job uh, wrangling the chat that uh, that day, and and we were we were so happy that you that you could do that. But anyway, today we're focusing on the Rocky Horror Picture Show, so um, I'd like to remind listeners uh, about uh, some of the background information regarding the film. I was uh, surprised to find out that Rocky Horror bombed when it first opened in 1975, but then it was those entertaining midnight showings that catapulted the film into cult status, and Sarandon admits that of all her movies, this is the one that should be placed in a time capsule. And the film got a big boost. I remember this when when um, when the stars of Glee did their own version of the musical numbers on television. It's not surprising to me, though, that that episode became the most popular one of the series. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, I just love the way it makes fun of B-movies, science fiction, and horror films from the 1940s through the 1970s. And who can forget that performance by Tim Curry. That was, I think that was his uh, dynamic film debut, playing uh, the flamboyant transvestite Dr. Frankenfurter. <laughs> and Bostwick and, and Sarandon play an innocent couple who stumble into the doctor's annual Transylvania convention with shocking results for everyone involved. So the movie itself has just become uh, definitely uh, a cult movie, and uh, I'm really happy that we do a, a tribute to it every year around this time. But before hearing from Barry, I want to remind everyone of his remarkable showbiz accomplishments, 
He appeared in over 120 films and TV productions. He's probably best known as the clueless mayor on Spin City, but he's actually a triple threat entertainer, a singer, dancer, actor, who created the role of Danny Zuko in Greece on Broadway. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. And won a Tony for his work in The Robber Bridegroom. He's He's done a lot of TV. He's been on Glee, Scrubs, Law and Order, SVU, George Washington, and War and Remembrance, for which he earned a Golden Globe. And his movies, uh, many, many movies that he's been in. The first one I saw him in was Movie Movie, and well, I, I became a fan then and there. He's been in Spy Hard, some guy who kills people, and as mentioned earlier, FDR, American Badass. His upcoming projects include as I mentioned before, the musical Dragula, and an episode on Fox's Enlisted with Stacey Keach and Harry Dean Stanton. It's my great pleasure now to present Barry Bostwick's interview about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And right after that clip, we will hear from Larry Weisel and Sean Stutler about Rocky Horror Saved My Life. So here's Barry and fans. But my first question, Barry, is how did you manage to get the role of Brad Majors back in 1975? Well, you know, these kind of things, they sometimes they just sort of happen organically. I had been doing <clears throat> a lot of Broadway musicals, and so I was sort of known for being the sort of musical comedy boy uh, in the early 70s. That was right after Grease in 72, well, and did you win I, a Tony for one of those musicals? I did a Tony. I got a Tony two years later for a musical called The Robber Bridegroom in 1977. Right. So it was uh, it was uh, during this sort of period and of of my really heavy involvement in musicals and um, uh, and I just went and auditioned for it like everybody else. Except interestingly enough, Susan Sarandon and I auditioned together. We oh. were called in together. We read together. We sang together, and we got the job together. And <clears throat> I guess they sort of had paired us up before we even auditioned. To, you know, she had quite a, a resume of films already. I, I was somewhat new to the film business, having come from the stage more. Well, the two of you just looked so great together. I can see why why you were picked as uh, as Brad and Janet. What was it like to work with Susan Sarandon? Oh, she's a real pro. I mean, not only that, she's just the smartest person in the world and and was um, uh, so available to learn some new things. I mean, she had really never sung before, and uh, she just worked so hard to uh, um, uh, get up to speed with all of that. And um, But, you know, her charm and her beauty just carried her through all of that, and she... And she exceeded uh, and succeeded, and and she was, um, um, you know, she she's. I keep on saying she's so smart and she's so dedicated and uh, and has a great sense of humor that it, it it made it made what could have been a very rough time, you know, very enjoyable. Well, I, that's what I wanted to ask you about because I know we had we had talked uh, before. Uh, for another uh, article that I was writing, and you talked a little bit about some of the obstacles that you faced while while filming. Uh, could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, it was constantly raining. Uh, it's a, you know it's a very low budget film. I think it was made for under a million dollars, which is sort of unheard of these days. Uh, not that it hasn't generated you know a hundred times that or three hundred times that since. It's been released, but um, so therefore it was really a low budget, low low, you know, rent kind of, you know, endeavor for the producers. They had done the the original show on stage in London and in Los Angeles, and they just sort of wanted to get it on film and and do something that just sort of put it all to bed. You know, they had been with the show for so long. Tim had been with it for a long time, and. Um, and so we were shooting on sound stages that didn't have toilets and shooting in the old castle that had holes in the roof. The roof was falling in and, you know, we were it always... It was Frankenstein's castle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, the Hammer film, Hammer horror movies, 
use this old manor house or castle, which is right across the field from Bray Studios, where we had a soundstage with our main set set up. And so when we wanted to do anything that was inside of the castle, we just sort of trekked across the field into this old broken-down house. And uh, we had to sort of stay on the first floor because if you went any higher than that, you got drenched from the rain coming through the holes in the roof. Oh no! And so uh, yeah, so Susan came back with pneumonia. I oh. was uh, I was pretty much just wet the whole time. And uh, um, but you know what? It 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 I'd never been to England before, so it was it was it was opened my eyes up to a whole new world of of people and things and uh, uh, and ways to spend my money, the little money I had. <laughs> So in spite of the obstacles, you had some enjoyable experiences while while filming the movie. Oh, I had a great time. I I, I think I discovered flea markets when I was in London that <laughs> that trip. Uh, every weekend I was down at some Bermondsey market or something, you know, buying little trinkets and this and that, and uh, uh, it was um, it was a great time. It was just it was just a great time, and we worked hard. I mean, we worked very very hard in that movie. Well, it certainly showed in the in the result. What's your favorite scene in the movie? Uh, wow, my favorite scene in the movie was probably a scene that was cut and then put back in in a later version. A uh, song that I sang in the bedroom was uh, Frankenfurter, um, and uh, uh, it was like post sex post sex with him, and I had this song and. Uh, and it was just sort of in the wrong place in the film. Uh, it, it stopped the action, and I understood why they cut it in the final edit, because uh, uh, the movie was really pushing forward at that time, and it sort of s- stopped everything cold in its tracks. But it's on one. Of, it's on the newer uh, releases of it as a sort of addendum, and uh, uh, it's really quite good. So it's in the DVD. Uh, versions that are out now, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's been edited into the actual place or if it's something that's been added on at the end, uh, just as a curiosity, you know. Well, did you have any idea when you were making this film? Uh, oh, okay, I'm sorry to stop you. The, the other thing I really oh. enjoyed was oh. uh, was the makeout scene in the in the pool, where everybody was uh, dressed up in uh, bustiers and and. Uh, uh, and high heel shoes, and we all jumped in the pool and uh, were uh, fondling each other. <laughs> well, I guess you were. I love that, and, I, and, I, and it, that that became a problem because when you get out of the pool, we had to sing a song and do a floor show dance routine, and we were all just <clears throat> wet, slippery, and uh, you know, d- dancing's hard enough, but try to do it in six inch spike heels, you know, on a wet floor. <laughs> Now you have have respect for Ginger Rogers, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> well, I my favorite, of course. I, I am an avid musical fan, and I just absolutely loved the time warp, the routine to let's do you know and let's oh, do the yeah. time warp again, and the and the lyrics and everything. But did you have any idea that this movie would become such a cult classic? No, I mean I don't even think cult cla- cult, cult things didn't really exist at that time. This sort of, uh, uh, you know, created a whole new genre. I mean, I think Pink Flamingos was out or something, but uh, uh, it was, um, uh, you know, it was discovered by the fans, created by the fans, and became a spectacle because of the fans. Uh, We just thought we were making another sound of music, you know. (laughs) We just didn't, we uh, we just thought we were making another film, just another musical film, and Nobody could have anticipated the the edge uh, that it developed uh, in the public's eye, and uh, the and the way it just sort of caught on, like you know, like a like a brush fire from coast to coast, meeting up in Kansas City somewhere a few years later, um, and uh, you know, it, it to me, it, it we we were just having fun, and and I think it shows. Well, it does show uh, in up there on the screen, and I remember that uh, Susan Sarandon 
said that this is the only one of the many films that she made that she thinks will be in a time capsule. Oh, <laughs> and, really? Yeah, and I was wondering, where where does Rocky Horror Picture Show rank in your list of career achievements? Uh, you know what? It's one of those sort of sidetracks, one of those uh, um, sort of alleyways that a career goes down, and, and it, it hits the end of the alleyway, and then you sort of turn around and come back, but it doesn't really lead anywhere because it's such a one-off. It's such a unique experience. You know, I mean, I didn't, after the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I didn't go out and do four other, uh, you know, musicals about transvestites. No. <laughs> they're, they're just, they just weren't out there, you know. So, And uh, it was, uh, it, it, to me, it was, it's a, it's a, I'm very proud of the work. I'll always be uh, amused by it, and certainly I'm uh, appreciative to the fans who keep it alive year after year after year after year after year. You know, and uh, I'm, uh, and I wish I could do something else like it. You know. Um, oh, I I wish you could too. Uh, I'd be first in line, I think. And you know, this I really think that this movie deserves its uh, cult following because. Just it's it's really there's a lot beneath the surface in this mm-hmm. film, and of course I love the all the outrageous costumes and the makeup and the unusual music, but it seemed to me that it was kind of exploring the feeling of being different and the the pain that goes with that with that feeling. It just it's it was kind of melancholy in a way too. So it had more going for it, I think, than than just uh, being bizarre and uh, and outrageous. And, of course, I'm just under the spell of that uh, Richard O'Brien music, yeah. especially especially the, the time warp. Well, well, you know what? Let me just ask you. I mean, the the, pro- the thing I, I, I think is one of the reasons why it took off is because of exactly what you're talking about. You know, these sort of disenfranchised kids who had no place to go on Friday night and... and, and you know, maybe there was five of them in every little city around the country who felt like they just didn't belong anywhere. And they created a place for them to belong. They created their own society. They created their own friendship. They created their own party every weekend. You know, they created a place for them to act out and and be who they thought they were, you know, and who they think they were inside and uh, in, in a safe environment where they wouldn't be... Uh, mocked or belittled, uh, you know, I mean, outside. It, it was, uh, to me, it, you're right, there is a, there is a melancholiness to it. I mean, look at the last scene of the, of the, of the movie, you know, we're, we're, we're groveling around in the mud and the, in the dust and, and, uh, uh, it, there's, yeah, I think there's, it, it works on so many levels. It certainly does. And, I'm just so sorry that I'm, I've missed any of the midnight shows where uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show has played, and, two, and, and uh, you know, one of those parties that you're talking about, because that must have been so much fun for the people taking part in it. So well, maybe was, I can catch one out here yeah. in the sticks. <laughs> well, that, that's really what you know what it is. I mean, it's that's that's what made it what it what it is. I, I mean, I think if you didn't first see it in the theater with a cast of kids you know playing the movie in front of the movie and all of that you really miss the experience of the rocky horror picture show uh you could take the tape and go home and play it and enjoy it you know on on just purely a filmic level but it's it's really a happening it's really an exper- experiential you, you had to become part of it uh to to totally get it i think and that's why it has it has so many fans i, I think it's um uh, Time now to check with uh, my helpful producer, Nikki Starr, to see okay. if we have any callers. And by the way, Barry, mm-hmm. Nikki is also a big fan. <laughs> oh, Nikki, hi. Hi, Nikki. Hi. hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yes, I am. I am a big fan. Well, thank you. Very big fan. And we actually do have a caller. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you for holding 512. You are on Movie Attic Headquarters with Barry Bostrick. Hi, this is Sunny Goodman. Hi. hi. Hi, How are you? Fine. I have another blog talk show. Nikki and I have been talking on the chat room. Barry, I just love you. 
Oh, well, thank you. And I have loved you for 30 years. <laughs> Welcome to the club. And you're only yes. 30 and you're only 34 years old? That's it. I went when I was 4. No, I uh went there when I was about 26 or older. Uh-huh. Than that, and I worked in a psych unit as a nurse. Oh, wow. And we got off and we went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show in San Diego. Oh my god. And it was just bizarre. <laughs> And I thought I went from one psych unit to another. (laughs) (laughs) And how many people from the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show ended up in your psych unit eventually? (laughs) I I don't think that there was an estimate on that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I just wanted to say I really like you. I have another uh, blog talk radio show for erotic writers. Oh, my gosh. So uh, I just thought it was more of an erotica movie than it was uh, a horror movie, really. Yes, I know. I think you're right. I mean, it was really pushing the pushing the envelope there, wasn't it? It was wonderful, yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you after all these years, my friend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it was nice to talk to you, too, and thanks for the compliments. Okay. Well, I'll let somebody else talk to you so they get just as excited as I am right now. Oh, all well, right. that's sweet of you. Thank Bye. you so much for calling. Bye bye. Thank you, Betty Joe. And we do have another caller. Okay. Great. Thank you for holding. Eight oh six. You're on the Hi. air. Hi. Hi. Who's calling, please? My name's Annette. Um, I'm also another host on Blog Talk Radio. I just had to call in and say hi to Barry. I do have a couple of questions for you. Shoot! Shoot! <laughs> okay. Um, I, I wanted to know, I was curious if you guys knew about the phenomenon of the movie with the people standing up and acting it out at the time, and if you ever snuck into one to see what it was about. Uh, once that took off a few years after we made the movie, uh, you know, the movie was a huge failure when it first came out, and then yeah. it was rediscovered by the fans, and then, and then it, this sort of whole party atmosphere was created, and and I was very curious, and so I went into uh, New York, and well, I was living in New York at the time, but I went and saw it and sat in the back, and uh, nobody recognized me, so I was able to really see over a period of time the sort of growth of the audience participation, uh, all the way up until when an actual album was made of all the shenanigans that went on in the audience as opposed to what was going on on the screen, which was in many ways more fascinating to me because I knew what was going to be on the film. But what what was constantly surprising was what people were yelling out at the film. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, and, uh, they weren't always complimentary to me. (laughs) Right. The only things I really remember, because I never got to experience that. I was a little young when the movie first came out. And and, uh, not that I'm young now, but... (laughs) but I remember seeing it in the movie Fame, yeah. where they talked about where they went and saw it and and did all that, and they're like, kick it, kick the tire, and then you kick the tire in the movie and uh, stuff like that. But the other question I have for you is kind of a stupid one, but I was just wondering how you enjoy dressing in drag and doing all that stuff. Dressing in <laughs> drag, uh, I think that uh, at the, I would think I would enjoy dressing in drag at any age. I just, just like most like people like to dress up for Halloween. Right. Actors, actors, just we dress up for a living. Whether I'm putting a suit on or whether I'm putting on culottes and a you know a pink sweater, um, <laughs> it's just it takes me away from my mundane uh, daily existence and uh, lets me fantasize and. Uh, create uh, you know somebody unique and new for myself and uh um for for actors who have multiple personalities which most of us do it's a it's a perfect way to act it out and um uh i wish i had held on to some of those uh, costume pieces i probably could become quite rich on ebay at the moment if i still had oh, my, yes. my stiletto heels but uh who knew you know, who knew right Okay. Uh, well, thank you so much for answering my question. Well, thank you for Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we have another caller. <laughs> Great. 
Thank Hello. you for holding. Thank you for holding 201. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. This is Alan Levy. How are you? Hi, Alan. This is Greg Bostick. Mr. Bostick, this is Blog Talk Radio CEO Alan Levy. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice. Welcome to uh, the Blog Talk Radio Network and Betty Jo's show. It sounds great. Oh, good. Nice to have your, your fans calling in. But I have to say that when I saw that you were on the... Uh, the banner and coming on the show, I I was I grew up in in Long Island, mm-hmm. and in the seventies, I graduated high school in seventy seven, and at Uniondale I lived ten minutes from Uniondale, and that was the Rocky Horror. That's where it started, I think. One of the places I don't know about in L A, right. but in New York, right? You were prime meat. Prime. It was every Friday night at midnight. We were online waiting. And just that's where we that's where we went. That was our Friday night. In did, you, did you did you dress up? Did what? you dress up? No, I, I I was I was more overalls and doing other things. I didn't dress up. You're a chicken. Uh, I was throwing stuff though. I was good at throwing. I didn't dress up, but <laughs> there was plenty of people though that were dressing up, and uh, it was just the place. You know, we would go there. It, it was really a, a weekly thing. It was incredible. That it was so much energy there. It's incredible. That was at Uniondale. Uh-huh. As you recall, I don't know if yeah. you guys must have done some some shows there or something too, or visited that place. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The uh, did you did you yell back at the screen? Yes, yeah. We all yelled at the screen. We knew the words. I mean, this was honestly it was a weekly thing. And uh, it how was, many times would you say you saw it? Fifty. Wow. <laughs> Fifty <laughs> times. <laughs> um, I mean, at least fifty. I don't know. I mean, it was it was a whole. It was it was it was. The social, it was either, you know, you go to the co- a concert or you go, uh-huh. if you're not going to a concert at, in Uniondale at NASA Coliseum, then you go to Rocky Horror and you get there at 11, you wait online, everyone's hanging around doing their thing, you see the movie, and then you're at the diner after. I mean, that was funny. It was, that's really one of the early places where Rocky Horror became, you know, this, uh, had this identity. Was there a right? cast? Was there a cast doing the show in front of the movie? You know, a few times they did, and there was a few of few of the people that would would come in and they were dressed up in full garb, and they would go up into the front of the audience in the in the the stage, and they would go and either do some stuff before the movie, or they would certainly walking up and down the aisles during the movie. Yes. Yeah. But it hadn't really taken off yet, where they they had organized this sort of show in front of the show yet. No. No. This yeah. is really when I mean I don't know when did, it, did the movie come out around seventy five seventy five yeah yeah so this was seventy six so seventy five it was still very fringe of course it was on mm-hmm. the outside on the edge but this Uniondale Theater was the only place in Long Island I think it was playing wow it was there and no I think it was at the Waverly in New York City I think it had, it had started in the city and it worked its way out to the island and then. Uh, it just caught on, you know, and just started traveling around and uh, became the sort of hip and interesting and uh, you know happening thing to do. Right. Yeah. But thank you for being part of the of the whole Rocky <laughs> Horror experience. And yeah. Well, it was the formative uh, look, formative years of my life, but it was uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, did it warp you in any way? <laughs> no, I I survived that. Uh, yeah. I wasn't. You know, there were some people that were deadheads in those in that era that would go to fifty dead shows and. And, and they was everything the dead they had to travel everywhere. I mean, I wasn't like that with Rocky Horror. I just I grew up in Long Island in Nassau County, mm-hmm. and it, we had we didn't have a lot of things to do. But Rocky, that's where everyone congregated, so we went there, and so therefore we got to see, you know, the movie. You know, I, I attended it fifty times. I'm not sure how many times I got through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, so. But anyway, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad you're on the network and enjoying uh, Blog Talk Radio. And, and Betty Jo, thank you for your, sh- your time. Oh, thank you. thank you. This has just been such a treat for me, and I really... Yes, it was a treat for me. And now, dear listeners, you know why Nikki and I love that interview with Barry Bostwick so much. I want to thank him again for being such a great guest. And what a surprise it was then when Alan Levy called in to talk about his personal experience with the Rocky Horror Midnight Shows. Who knew? So thanks, Alan, and our other callers for your participation. It was especially touching to hear Sonny Goodman, the great Sonny Goodman, who's no longer with us, say, my Brad. And now here's my personal message to Barry. 
If you're listening, please visit us again soon next time to tell us about Dragula. Hey, I think I see Larry Feisel and Sean Stutler waiting patiently in the green room. So I think we should bring them on now so that we can hear about their upcoming documentary, Rocky Horror Saved My Life. I think I'm going to bring on Larry first because he was the first one to contact me. And so let's see if this is him right here. Hello, Larry. Is uh, Are you on the line now? I am. Are you guys there? Yes. Can you hear us? I sure can, yep. Well, I'm so glad that you could be with us. I, I thought we'd bring you on and then uh, Sean and then the two of you together so that uh, you can share um, anything that you would like to share about your uh, interesting project. We have extended the show for, uh, to be 60 minutes instead of the usual 45. We're just so happy that you're, that you're here. What, um, what can you tell us about Rocky Horror Saved My Life? Sure. Um, it is a documentary about the cult following of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, we are currently raising funds on Kickstarter, uh, and oh. we're hoping that the uh, the project can get us to go across the country and interview some of the people who uh, really played a big part in keeping the cult film alive. Um, Sean and I have, uh, between us, uh, well, each of us have been doing it for over two decades, uh, we've dedicated our lives to Rocky Horror since I started in 1992. July 4th, 1992 was my first show, and I've been going ever since. Uh, and it's gotten me the opportunity to meet people all across the world. It's gotten me the opportunity to attend conventions. Uh, I've collected tons and tons of memorabilia. Uh, I've performed in shows uh, all over the world, uh, and it's been a great experience. Uh, I I cannot possibly imagine my life without it, and I'm sure that a lot of your other listeners who uh, may have been diehards at the show uh, also could not have imagined their lives and how much it changed without it, uh, without Rocky Horror. So I think that um, the documentary and, and where it's kind of stemming from is I don't think that story has ever been told from the perspective of the people who are actually in it. There have been a few uh, previous documentaries and a few like television uh, specials that would talk about the fans and talk about the crazy cult following, but I don't think anyone really captured the essence of what it's like to be involved in the Rocky Horror scene and and how it's really affected people's lives. I mean, every kind of life-changing story that you can imagine uh, has, has happened because of Rocky Horror. Wow, I think it's a great idea for a documentary and we're we're no strangers here at Movie Addict headquarters for helping uh get the word out about uh, financing for independent films like yours. A couple of years ago we had Gary King on our show and uh he was just getting started on Kickstarter with um a musical how how do you write a Joe Sherman song and several of our uh, listeners did become uh, contributors to that and now that film has been completed and uh for me, they put in a whole lot of tap dancing because he knows how much I, I enjoy tap dancing. <laughs> and so oh, there you go. Even, he, even that is a, it's really winning winning awards at uh, film festivals and just turned out to be a delightful film. So um, so we're we're definitely rooting for you. And uh, let's bring uh, Sean in to see if he has anything else to add, and then we'll ask you some more questions about it. All right. Hi, Sean. Hello. How are you today? I'm just fine, ladies, yourselves? Fine. I, I'm just so delighted to have you and uh, Larry here to talk about your documentary. Was there anything that um, that Larry left out about uh, Rocky Horror Saved My Life that you'd like to add? Uh, well, uh, he, he didn't get to yet mention our uh, web address, which is uh, com. You can uh, go there to check out our Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we're currently we just crossed eighteen thousand dollars in uh, pledges and donations, which is really great. However, um, our goal is fifty thousand dollars. So if we don't make uh, the rest of that fifty thousand dollars in the next thirty days, we will get zero. We will not get a dime, and uh, oh. all of this effort will be for naught. So we really need everyone's help. Oh wow! Well, we need to. Um make sure that our listeners know about that. And uh, I, I believe someone put the link 
into our chat room. Do you want to um, go over that? Go over that again. The link that where uh, people can find out more about uh, the documentary. Sure, it's a www.rockyhorrorsavedmylife.com. Well, that's that's easy enough to to remember. And uh, have you started doing any of the interviews yet? We haven't started with any of the uh, interviews for the documentary proper, but uh, we do plan to roll out um, some minor, like you know, personal stories and some some booster videos from a few celebrities who've contacted us and said that they want to be involved in the project, and also people who are longtime veterans in the Rocky Horror community. Uh, we've yes, gotten I... a lot of emails from people uh, who were sharing their stories through the uh, the Kickstarter email address, which is uh, rockyhorrordoc at gmail dot com. You can send us your stories about. Uh, your involvement in Rocky Horror, and then we'll take that and, and you know, see how to work that into the documentary. That Well, I, I'm glad that you uh, have that going on so that people can send you information um, right from the beginning. And, uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, and then you, you will have that. So, so give us that uh, email address again. Sure, it's rockyhorrordoc at gmail.com. Rocky Horror Doc D O C at Gmail dot com. At Gmail dot com. Rocky Horror Doc at Gmail dot com. Well, you, you this is a pretty ambitious project to be in, involved in. Um, Sean, uh, how have you been involved with uh, uh, with Larry in the in the midnight shows at, at of the Rocky Horror Picture Show? What how, what have you been doing in connection with those shows? Well, um, I also started uh, attending Rocky Horror more than 20 years ago myself, um, and uh, I was instantly hooked. It was exactly uh, where I needed to be to uh, find the kind of people that I wanted to be around, the creativity of those people, the artistic community there. I grew up in Indiana, so um, people with uh, mohawks and piercings were uh, a little harder to find than if you grew up in New York City. So uh, finding Rocky Horror, you know, was sort of like you know coming home for the first time, and uh, I was I was instantly hooked. In fact, the movie theater where I saw Rocky Horror for the very first time, I ended up buying, and I owned it for seven years, uh, starting oh. in 2000. Wow! So so you really are you really are into the the Rocky uh, Horror fan craze. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I lost uh, I lost a quarter million dollars uh, in my dedication to Rocky Horror, and uh, <laughs> that didn't stop me. Oh. <laughs> so that's where you got the that's where you got the the idea for the title, Rocky Horror Saved My Life. So you've probably been involved with a lot of people um, doing the doing the shows, and uh, and and have formed uh, quite a quite a group of people. Is is that right, Sean? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I personally. Rocky Horror, you know, save people's lives. You know, and I don't mean like a superhero that swoops in and, you know, saves them from a train wreck. Uh, but, you know, more that there's so many people, and especially, you know, before, like, you know, uh, the advent of social media, like Facebook, the Internet, you know, being widespread and that sort of thing, there's so many people who uh, had a hard time connecting to the right kinds of groups and people and finding an outlet for performing and creativity even if they, you know, didn't necessarily have the talent to uh, pull that off and, you know, a professional play or, you know, even community theater. Rocky Horror is there, you know, as an outlet for those people uh, and a chance to shine. You know, something that we, you know, say around, uh, you know, our cast a lot is that it really gives the chance for, like, nerds to become rock stars. And we, we've seen that happen our, ourselves. We Larry and I, uh, we're going to be performing at the House of Blues in Atlantic City this coming October 26th. And you know it'll be a gigantic crowd. There's there's nothing like the rush of uh, having 1,400 people just scream and cheer for you. Oh, I I know I know I feel the same way about it. Well, so will you be doing Rocky Horror stuff at that uh, performance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, Larry. Go ahead, it's going to be a big Halloween a Halloween production of, of Rocky Horror. So there'll be costume contests. There'll be uh, audience participation. Uh, there's going to be a full floor show cast. That's going to be exactly what you picture when you think of a big Rocky Horror show, uh, except uh, ten times bigger because it's at uh, in a giant venue like the House of Blues, and it's going to be great. Uh, we've done the House of Blues show three times before, and we've actually did one uh, venue that was was bigger, and that was uh, the Brookhaven Amphitheater. We did 
a show there a few times, and we had at one point uh, over 4,000 people attending one of our oh. shows. It was pretty fantastic. Wow, good good for you. Well, Larry, what uh, character do you usually play in the shows? I play Eddie, uh, and it is my favorite character in the show. Uh, it's my favorite scene in the movie. I really can't uh, describe how great it is to see someone come out on stage. Uh, he steals a spotlight from Frankenfurter. He lives and breathes rock and roll, and then he dies. And it is just a perfect, you know, three and a half minutes of just pure unadulterated unadulterated rock and roll. It's great. <laughs> so you really enjoy doing that. I can tell it in your voice. And so, oh, yeah. Sean, how about you? What what character do, uh, character or characters do you play in those shows? Well, addition, in addition to hosting uh, the pre-show and you know all those shenanigans with Larry, uh, I usually play Rocky Horror these days, but I started out as Brad myself. Brad, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, have you guys had any interaction with uh, Barry Bostwick about your project? Oh, yeah. Um, we uh, definitely have, have reached out to him uh, by, by email and Facebook. I think he's aware of the project. Um, and uh, recently I saw Barry at, uh, at the Chile Theater Convention in New Jersey uh, a few months back. Uh, and it was funny. I, I told him that I had a copy of, of his contract for the movie. I'm a big memorabilia collector. And one of the things that I ended up getting uh, from a big collection I wanted some of these was, um, were a lot of the producer's uh, notes and letters and things like that, and in that collection were Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon's and Tim Curry's contract. So I brought it oh. to the convention and I showed I showed uh, Barry the folder that had this stuff in it. He he leafs through the pages and he finds it, and uh, his reaction just as he's studying the pages, he he goes through Susan's contract and he just goes, "Damn it, Susan made more than me." <laughs> oh no! Well. Yeah. That's, I hope that didn't cause any rift rift between them because I think they've been they've been friends oh, yeah. you know, since then. I'm, I'm sure but uh, that, he yeah, did but... say that Susan had uh, more film experience than than he did, you know, before making that yeah. uh, that film. So maybe that's maybe that's the reason. But uh, what was your impression of uh, of Barry, Larry, as a person? Oh, he's great. He's he's a great guy. He's he's so nice. I don't know how else to explain it. He's just the nicest celebrity you'll ever meet. He's very down-to-earth and, and very real and very cool and a really fun guy. I agree. I think I, I haven't met him in person, but I've interviewed him several times, and he's always been so um, just like you just like you describe him over the – and that comes through loud and clear over the phone. Um, well, I, I'm hoping to see this documentary completed and – do you have a, a plan, a scheduling plan? You know, if you get your money, then um, what is your plan from there to when it would be completed and ready for sure. will it be a DVD? Will it be a DVD that people can order, or will it be showing in theaters? Or what are what are your plans on that line? Well, a lot of distribution is up in the air. You know, as, as we hope that you know, even bigger people will take notice of this. Um, but um, what we plan to do is that if the campaign is successfully funded, and we really hope it will be, um, we will uh, take uh, the last few months of 2013 here to organize our schedule, and then all through 2014 we'll be going around the country and hopefully even the world to uh, document Rocky Horror fans, collectors, casts from every walk of life. And uh, we're going to be shooting pretty much every weekend all through 2014, and then in 2015 uh, we will be hosting the 40th anniversary convention of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and uh, that's where we plan to premiere Rocky Horror Save My Life. What a good idea. Uh, where will that uh, convention be? Uh, has it been set set yet? No, it's still up in the air, but as soon as we have the information and, and everything booked, we will absolutely announce it everywhere we can. Great. And we we hosted several uh, very large international conventions of this sort, you know, before. So we're all pros at this sort of thing, and it, we're going to make this one bigger and better and uh, more spectacular than anything we've done before. Well, this will be great, and and perhaps um, uh, with that premiere and uh, being held at the at the uh, convention, you might be able to get uh, like Barry Bostwick and Susan Sarandon, and maybe. Tim Curry and some of the other cast members. Uh, have you thought about that? 
Yep, we're definitely working on it. We've had, um, at some of our conventions before, we've actually had some of the stars from the movie. We had uh, Patricia Quinn and Little Nell, who played uh, Magenta in Columbia, have attended our conventions. We had uh, the costume designer, Sue Blaine, uh, at a convention we were involved with in Los Angeles. We had Barry Postwick, and we had uh, Lou Adler, the producer. Uh, We've done shows for Barry before. Uh, He did a charity show in Nyack, New York, that we actually were the performing cast for. Uh, and we even did a show with Susan Sarandon a couple of years ago at her ping pong club in New York. Uh, so really? we're hoping that we can get some of the celebrities to come down to the convention when we when we do it. And it's you know good that we've gotten this experience and worked with them before. So. Well, yes, you have an in there to to them. So what I'm hoping is that you'll keep us posted. Well, you do have a, a Facebook page that people if if they want to go to Facebook and and keep track of what's going on. Um, where where would they go? You want them to just go to Kickstarter? Yes, you you can actually get to all of our social media, you know, our Facebook page, our Twitter, our Tumblr, our Instagram, um, all through our Kickstarter campaign page, which you can get to through www.rockyhorrorsavemylife.com. Okay, so that's a good um that's 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 a good uh, URL to remember. www.rockyhorrorsavedmylife.com, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, yep. well, well, that's. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be checking on that. Now, do you have any uh, goodies that you're going to give away to um, any uh, contributors to the movie? Absolutely. In fact, um, no matter how much you contribute, uh, you'll you'll get something in return. That's the way the Kickstarter is sort of designed with the rewards for each levels and everything. Um, if you donate a dollar. Uh, you have our sincere thanks, but that's pretty much it. Uh, but above that, for $5, uh, you get a uh, MP3 uh, download of the Rocky Horror Save My Life theme song, which is called You Can Be Who You Want to Be, which if you haven't seen the video, I suggest you check it out now. The song is, is actually, you know, quite heart-wrenching, you know, in its poignancy and uh, for me how much it touches upon what I love about Rocky Horror. And then on up from that $5 level, uh, you know, at the uh, – at the $50 level, you can get pretty much the works. You get, like, a poster, postcard, DVD, Blu-ray, HD download of the project once it's finished. For $100, you can get a special thanks in the movie itself. Uh, for $1,000, you know, you can uh, win two VIP passes to the premiere, lots of other goodies, original art by uh, artist Epion5, who's helping out with all the design stuff. Uh, and for, you know, anyone out there who would like to donate $10,000 to the campaign, you can have an executive producer credit on IMDb for uh, Rocky Horror Save My Life. So uh, that's uh, only only a small portion of uh, the rewards that we have to offer to people. Well, that that sounds like a, a great uh, list of uh, of goodies that we that we can get. So I see that uh, that uh, our producer Nikki Starr thinks that everybody needs to give money, and and I'm go- I'm just going to ask uh, Nick- Nikki to come in. I know our time is going by, but I, I would like Nikki to come in and uh, uh, share some of her comments about this project, if we can get her sure. here. Nikki, are you are you available to uh, to to, to uh, talk with Larry and Sean for just a minute? I am, and I am pimping it like crazy because I cannot <laughs> think I cannot think of anything funner for the 40th anniversary. So yeah, I mean seriously, go to their website and. And and go to the Facebook page. Um, if you just go to Rocky Horror Save My Life, then you can get all the information. By the way, I'm a graphic artist, and your graphic artwork is fantastic. So tell whoever Thank did you. that that you should get a wonderful job. Um, I'm super excited, yeah. And especially if Barry's going to be there. Not just if Barry's going to be there, I'm just saying, because you all are both really cute. But yeah. I'm really excited we'll to do our best. <laughs> well, well, you've got the Nikki Star seal of approval, yep. so that's that's enough for for a lot of us uh, Rocky Horror Picture fans. And I do see We're that honored. we have uh, another caller. We only have six minutes left, so um, but it is Richard B. Smart, and he's from the Wacko Network, and he lives down in Australia, and he's always helpful to Movie Attic headquarters. So let's see what Richard uh, what question Richard has. Hi, well, Richard, I mean, I, down in Australia. Hi, Billy Joe. Oh, I was, I was had a ball listening in here. I mean, I got myself out of bed to make sure I was not going to miss this one. Um, well, I'm so I glad mean, you're here. Do you have a question for, for Larry or Sean? 
not not so much a question. I think everything that I've ever had to ask has been answered. I mean, I just remember from my days um, throughout my whole childhood, right through the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, I remember them showing it every Friday night in the city cinemas, and of course they did the whole acting down through the whole theatre with on the stage and everything and that. But I um, mean, other than that, it was just also we actually have a show coming up in uh, at six thirty p.m. Eastern Standard where we have. Um, Clem Caserta, as in Jimmy Whispers, from Bronx Tale, Goodfellas, Casino, Analyze This, The Untouchables, actually on the show with um, uh, Clem Caserta Jr., his son, and uh, Chef Rob, um, which is Chewing the Fat with Big and Beefy. And that's All right, and that's tonight at 6.30 uh, Eastern Time, Eastern, so, and that's our Eastern. blog talk. Blog Talk Radio. Well, on the Wacker, thank you. on the Wacker Network channel, and I'm posting a link to it in the uh, in the chat, chat room. Great. Than, I mean, well, thank you. Fantastic I, show, and I've loved it. Well, we're just so happy that you were here, and always uh, uh, enjoy your shows and uh, and all the support that you give to Movie Addict Headquarters. I cannot believe we here we extended the the time, and it's almost out, and. I want to thank uh, Larry and Sean <laughs> for being such a great guest and coming on and telling us all about uh, Rocky Horror Saved My Life. And I also want to thank all of the chatters that we've had today. I think it's a record today. Uh, Angel, Eddie, a lot of guests, Kat Vecchioni, Richard B., you already heard him, Sean Hall. Well, Sean Stutler is in there, and so is Larry, uh, Mizell, and the Wacko Network, and, and Wacko Bob. So thank you, chatters, uh, very, very much. Um, I hope that uh, some of our listeners will take up uh, Larry and Sean's uh, project and consider uh, even a dollar is appreciated. So um, Absolutely. We're, we're all we're supporting you, and we wish you the very best of luck. Sorry to say, our time is almost up, so I want to give a big shout-out to Larry, Sean, and Barry, as well as to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for choosing this episode as one of their staff picks. Special thanks to Nikki for her help, as always, to Danny Dyer for her technical assistance, and to our callers, chatters, and other listeners. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. But that's all for now, folks. Let's close the show. By doing, you guessed it, the time warp again. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer.
ਨਹੀਂ ਰੱਖੇ